I'm not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander? <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! Mobile suits. You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another mobile-rific episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am joined by two of my fellow Gundam enthusiasts. Why don't you guys give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and I've got no arms or legs. Hey, this is Justin, and I've still got all my parts. All right, so in case you haven't figured out by those cryptic hints, we are here to discuss the third episode of the ONA original net animation Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt. And we are basically getting right into the nitty gritty. In the opening scene, we've got all the kid gun cannon guys and balls that are arriving on the Federation ship. And Captain Claudia is all strung out on narcotics. And we've got EO Fleming, and he's talking to his bud Cornelius. And they're, they're basically kind of noticing that all these reinforcements that they've shipped them, they're basically all kids. And the kids quickly salute his Gundam because he's going to end up being their commander. EO will be. And then EO comes in and finds Claudia passed out. You know, because she's been strung out and, and, you know, hopped up and everything like that. And he basically, like, slaps the fuck out of her to wake her up. And then Claudia references Eo's father's suicide. She's basically, she's cracking under the strain of pressure. Like, she can't handle sending off little kids to war. And so the way she's dealing with it is just to, you know, basically give in to, you know, temptation and... And kind of, you know, get hopped up on all these narcotics and everything to sort of dull the, the, the emotional turmoil and pain that she's dealing with. Meanwhile, we're cutting to Daryl Lorenz, and he's, he's there celebrating with his crew, but it, it's kind of like an awkward scene because at this point, as Mike has hinted, uh, Daryl has no arms and he has no legs. He's basically, you know, if, if you're thinking about Captain Hook and, you know, a pirate that's a peg-leg pirate, basically, he is an all-purpose peg-leg 
pirate, I guess. Like, he's got peg legs on all of his limbs. And so there's this kind of awkward moment where some of his buddies, you know, they're tossing him a bottle of beer in the celebration, and then he, he basically cannot catch it, you know, because he's got all prosthetic arms and legs. And so there's this kind of sequence. It, it, it's interesting because in it, I was trying to compare it to the manga, and it seems pretty faithful, but I think that in terms of how they go about amputating him, there, there's, you know, slight differences, because I think in this sequence, he actually still has some limbs when they're celebrating, and then it's kind of like that celebration that we're seeing here is his last happy moment before he goes in to get amputated on purpose, whereas in this sequence, like in the anime, it's it's post-operation, and they're sort of celebrating it after the operation, and so it makes it even more kind of awkward. Uh, what did you guys think of when you were watching like that sequence? Because I know we talked in great detail about, you know, kind of how horrific the, the sequence was last episode where he actually gets amputated on purpose, you know, to sort of fuel the war effort and everything. I, I was surprised that he was so like gung-ho and happy. Like I expected him to be kind of like, you know, like you would expect someone to, that went through that to be, you know, like down and depressed and like everything. But like, you know, he... He was he seemed genuinely happy like there with his buddies even though like he had trouble like grasping the bottle of beer you know he was like no it's no problem like like I, I got it even though like his comrade like you know he he you could tell that he felt bad about it and you know like you said it, it was awkward but I was like I it just surprised me like I didn't think he would be you know happy whether or not he's put, putting on a uh, you know a good front for his comrades or not like I expected him to be like inconsolable yeah I, I agree with you i mean i i think there's a, a definite positive outlook that he always seems to bring to the forefront i mean i would i would even speculate that it's not a front because anybody who went through that i mean I, may, maybe it is but but it, it just seemed like he seems to be eternally optimistic like he's still got a wellspring of optimism even after all this so you you're like oh well this guy's got to be an optimist because most people would have caved in and given up or at least had bouts of misery. I like you know? that. I like that. They like, they promoted him like, and he was like all like happy. Like he was like, I'm special. Well, he, he did get a, a two rank promotion basically yeah. because of that. So yeah, there's there, I, I guess there's something to be said for that. And, and, and in some sense, I mean, at least, I, I mean, there, there are some people that seem kind of callous about it. Like Sexton is a character that I would say is, is pretty despicable, you know, like that, that he, he doesn't appreciate the sacrifice he made, but you, you do get the, the idea or the notion that his colleagues, his buddies, like they, they, they all sort of respect him. I mean, in the manga, it seemed like they were almost ready to come to tears and they're all these kind of big brawny military type guys that have seen the shit. So it's like, it's a very sort of, band of brothers moment that they've all been through this and everybody's lost a little bit of something but even to these people the living dead division among themselves like this guy is top tier in terms of his sacrifice basically and everybody everybody has an inkling of what that's like because they've all sort of gone through it but in this case it's almost like holy shit bro like you you deserve those two fucking rank promotions more than any of us because of all this shit. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, to me, it, it was always kind of like a heavy moment and everything. 
Well, I think like just the first few minutes of this this episode, like it's full of heavy stuff. Like just the stuff with Claudia. Yeah. Like yeah. when she was she put that you know syringe to her arm. Like I didn't think like it was drugs. I was like, what well, she's. I was like, she's probably just like taking a stimulant, like from the stress, to, you know, to to like stay awake and you know to be active and trying trying like keep her mind sharp and everything. But then like, you see the place on her arm, and I was like, oh, like I know where this is going. Like, but like I, you know, I'm talking about like things you didn't expect from characters. Like I didn't expect that from her. Yeah, I I know we had talked last episode about how I noticed in the manga that. Eo, Claudia, and Cornelius were all childhood friends, and I didn't think it was really covered or brought to the viewers' attention in the last episode. But a- a basically, after Eo kind of smacks the crap out of her, there's a sequence where Cornelius is visiting Claudia in the Med Bay, and then it, it, at this point, you kind of get the idea now in the anime that they were all childhood friends and everything, and there's like a you know flying contest with basically. I guess in terms of the Gundam universe, you know, like old school aircraft or whatever, you know, and and there's even this moment where Cornelius sort of is talking to Claudia and telling him he kind of pities EO because he, he thinks EO only feels alive in times like this, in times of struggle and war and everything. I, we might get into it a little later because obviously there's more with that. But can we talk about like the, the gun cannon like core with all the kids yeah. and stuff? Like, yeah, yeah, first definitely. of all, like in that very first scene, I was like, holy shit. Like there weren't that many gun cannons <laughs> at Abawaku. Like, yeah. like I was like, well, that's a bit extreme. Like. And then, yeah, like, they're, it's, like, all, like, uh, obviously, like, teenage kids or even younger. I don't know. I was, I was a little, like, like, this, this series is a bit darker, but I was, I was a little, maybe that was a little, like, too far. Like, I was, like, a, I was, like. You know, you know what's weird? Like, if you felt uncomfortable by this, like, just, just so the listeners can understand, like, there's a montage, basically, that happens, and there's kind of like this song and i wish i knew what the title of the song was because i'm sure you know this sounds stupid to say but i'm like i'm sure it's a real song like i'm sure it's an actual song rather than something they constructed or crafted just for this this net animation basically but it sounds like something that would like belong in the big chill like where it's like you know they're playing like you know jeremiah was a bullfrog or some shit like that in the background basically it's kind of like this this not quite jazzy but kind of you know that kind of tone i guess basically and there's there's this montage and you've got daryl's men saluting him but he can't really salute them because he's got no fucking hand to salute with you know claudia is off crying because you know she wants to set the women's movement back and because she's sending a bunch of little kids out into battle and then you know basically at this point the kid cadets are like taking selfies in front of the full armor gundam and everything and you know and then you know in, in the midst of this this is where eo gives him the the briefing you know he gives him the the brave heart speech and everything like that and he basically has the the line where he's like you know when he finishes it off he basically says you know goodbye my fellow disposable comrades if you survive we'll have a drink and like like just in that sequence alone i get why you feel uneasy but you know what's funny in the manga like it's even worse because that selfie sequence like is much more elongated like there are guys and girls like hooking up with one another kind of like you know grade school kids like going out on dates and going steady there are people like doing the whole japanese like you know where you put your 
I, I don't know what you call it, but where you put your, your index finger and you, you put it over your cheek and do the eye thing and stick out your tongue and, you know, you do the whatever that is, you know, that sort of Japanese insult, like the middle finger is here or whatever. And they're all taking photos with Ensign Eo and, and, and all this other stuff. So it's like there's clearly like this kind of disconnect in like their maturity i guess versus what what's going on and 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 then you know what's funny is in the manga the line made a lot more sense to me like it almost made me respect eo even more because he basically what he's saying to them is even though you're under the legal drinking age if you survive being my cannon fodder shields i will buy you a fucking drink you know legality be damned you will have a drink with me basically and and i was just kind of like okay well like that's kind of like i understand why that's heavy but for me it was even it seemed even heavier in the manga <laughs> if, if it wasn't like that underlying like you know sense of darkness and like wrongness about it like i'd almost laugh and i'd be like haha you stupid selfie taking millennials like you're all gonna die like <laughs> but yeah like once you know what uh, happens to them it's kind of like you're like wow like but I, well, like, I, I just wanted to, you know, like, not only all the gun cannons and stuff, but I'm like, I, I was kind of like, where did the Moore Brotherhood find all these kids? And, like, you know, why why couldn't the Federation, like, if the Federation is this, like, hard up for troops, like, I, I don't know, it just seemed odd to me, but I don't know, what do you guys, like, think about that? Like, what, are they this hard up for troops in this sector that they have to, like, expend all these, like, kids and stuff, but... Well, they seem to be trying to rationalize it by the idea that you, like, I, I know it doesn't necessarily tie into strict continuity with the original series, but if you look at the protagonists in the original series, you know, going back to the discussion we had about, you know, young characters being the protagonist, I mean, you'd argue that these kids, conceivably most of them or some of them are the same age as Amuro. And I, I think the idea being that, if Amuro becomes a new type, if, if these kids of a certain age have the potential to become a new type, let's stick those kids in battle sooner because the potential is they might, you know, I, I mean, it's that ridiculous movie studio mentality where it's like, oh, this one dark film made a billion dollars. Let's make them all dark, you know, like kind of like thing where it's like, oh, one kid, you know, became a, an awesome ace new type pilot. Well, let's send forty fucking kids with balls and gun kicks. So, so what you're saying is this, this 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 whole thing was a Larry idea? Yes. But, well, well, the they're they're the Larrys of the Federation. The 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 Larry, you know, generals that like kind of live in their ivory tower that aren't actually going into battle. Where they're like, hey, let's let you know. I I know what the solution is. Like. Let's let's get 40 of the kids and, you know, five of them are bound to be new types, you know, like that. I mean, to me, that seemed to be what what they were saying, at least that I got from either the dialogue or having sort of read the, the corresponding manga. Like that seemed to be that, yeah, the rationalization. That, that makes sense. It's just like it's heavy. It's like like you said, it's heavy. It's like yeah, the, yeah. like the implications of it are really like you know almost almost too heavy almost. Well, I I think that's why I I mean I I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I I think I kind of respect Eo because of it because he makes no bones about it. He's not trying to pretend, you know. He's not he's not necessarily trying to be super buddies with all these kids that are going to end up being cannon fodder because he knows the majority of them are going to go out and get killed. But he still sort of respects 
what they're doing and what's being done, even if they don't understand the vast undertaking that they're being subjected to. I think that's like the difference between EO and Daryl. It's like EO, like he, he makes no bones about it. He's gonna, he's like a realist. He's like, all right, here's what happened. Here's what's gonna happen. Like you're gonna go out there, and like some of you are gonna die, but if you get back, it'll be cool because we'll have a drink. Whereas I think if Daryl was faced with the same situation, like he would probably try and be like positive and be like, you know, like it's gonna be okay. Like you just get out there and do your best, you know, and you know, like that. Am I childish? Like, the other thing I wanted to bring up was every time they call the full armor Gundam, it's like they abbreviate it, so it makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, you mean it's like... <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, like, I get, I like get. when I'm reading the subtitle, it's like, we will take, we will launch out in the fag, and we will totally destroy <laughs> I'm kind of like, I don't know why, I guess I'm childish, but like, that still makes me laugh. I'm like, I'm like that, that's something like that. Back in the old days, they would they would have to uh, tsunami or uh, Funimation that shit up or something. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, that's something that that I made me crack up. But I guess it's just because I'm childish or whatever. But back to the actual episode, uh, we do go back to Doctor Carla, and she's of course setting up Daryl in his own Zaku suit, and then she basically kind of explains to him how her service to Zeon will pardon her father, who was considered a deserter. And, like, I kind of felt like, like, I don't know, like, you're talking about, like, heavy stuff, and, like, I guess, you know, it depends on the eye of the beholder, but there's a flashback sequence to her holding her father's hand, but her father's hand is also an amputated hand. You know, obviously, he was he was in battle, and at some point now he's got this sort of you know, I know what you did last summer, hook-like prosthesis on his his left hand, and she's basically holding that prosthesis in in her hand and everything, like she's holding her father's hand. But I, I, I couldn't help but think, like, maybe there's some kind of weird Electra complex stuff going on here, because, like, her father had, like, a metal hand, and now she's, like, getting with all these dudes that are in the Living Dead division that, like, have, like, metal parts and stuff. And, like, you know, it's kind of like she she lost the one guy that she was super hung up on and having some kind of, you know, at the very least, a super physical relationship with, if not an emotional one. And then now she's sort of, you know, having this relationship with Daryl and everything. And and at this point, too, it's... Th- th- this is the moment where what Justin was talking about really registered with me. Because for, for everything Daryl's been through, like, he kind of continues to to, you know, look into her eyes, and he's got these kind of wide-eyed puppy dog eyes, and he's, like, sort of irrationally positive to me, you know, because it's like, don't worry, Carla, like, we'll focus on a miracle, and it's kind of like, a miracle? Are you fucking serious? Like, okay. Like, I mean, sometimes you're, like, sitting there going, well, that's great and everything, but it's always better when it's, like, some fanciful Gundam seed nonsense and somebody's wide-eyed and optimistic and then he comes in and kicks a whole shitload of ass but it's it's really kind of miserable and heartbreaking when it's somebody like that and they're wide-eyed and optimistic and you're like you have no arms and legs like you have no arms and legs like you know like so I don't know but uh, feel free to to discuss amongst yourselves or or what you think about that because yeah this is kind of heavy I, I thought that scene was kind of sweet and like, I, I don't like, I feel like, you know, I don't know. I guess we'll get into it when we talk about the next episode, but like, I wasn't sure if they were like 
like doing like they were like trying to push a relationship between the two of them or, or they already saying they already are in one or what? Like, I, I feel like they were, I don't know, like either it seems like they were friends, but I, I don't know if they were like together together. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. Like next episode makes it a little more muddled, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess I sort of picked up on some hints of that, but I didn't think that there, I mean, you start to wonder exactly what can, you know, just like that sequence with him and his buddies are awkward. Do you imagine at, at least at this point, uh, so, uh, you know, a physical kind of relationship must be ludicrously awkward, but then again, like you start to wonder about, you know, her relationship with her own father and maybe she, maybe, it, uh, you know, probably sounds horrible to say, but maybe she's got a thing for, for guys like her father, you know, that, that actually, you know, have some, you know, amputated parts or, you know, something like that. I don't know. Like, it's like, I don't know. Like, like her character, like, I I understand what she's doing, but in terms of like, she's trying to save her father and that's why she's doing this. But in terms of what some of these characters do to sort of get through the war, like, I, I, I guess I don't really understand it. Like in terms of like, why, why would you sleep with a guy in the living dead division? You know, like, why would you amputate a guy's, you know, all his arms and legs and then still try to have, like, some kind of relationship, you know, like, like a relationship with the guy? Like, like, I mean, you know, it's, it's like one of those things where you're like, what kind of like, I guess, my pragmatic attitude about, you know, like a bad guy busting out, you know, Ultraman Belial or whatever, and me always complaining, like, what did you expect was going to happen when you bust out the big bad from the prison? You thought he was going to team up with you and not blow you away like he wants to blow away everybody else? It's like, kind of like, what, what do you think is going to happen if you try to foster a relationship with a guy whose arms and legs you ampu- amputated? You know, like, can you just see them, like, at home on a couch and Daryl being, like, positive and wide-eyed and, like, bring me some soup, honey. Okay, great. You know, like, it's, I don't know, it seems really kind of weird. You're just not a romantic, Derek. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I think I am. I just I, I just think it seems incredibly strange. Mm. I, I, but, I didn't think there was any kind of like romantic hints in this episode. Like I haven't seen the next one, but as for like you know their motives, like what they you know what they expect versus reality. Like I think I don't know. Like I think it kind of goes to more of that like Buffy season six kind of thing where. You know, you have all these characters in a bad situation, and they're just, you know, they're whoever they can find something good and tangible to hold on to, and like make them feel feel something other than like the war that's crushing down on them. Like that's probably like what they're gonna take. Yeah, yeah, just a way to escape their yeah. ongoing misery, basically, like any kind of pleasure or passion or or happy kind of things. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I mean, at this point, basically, like, you know, she's got them all suited up and, and Daryl Lawrence, you know, launches out. And th- at this point, I guess this is kind of what Mike was getting at, the, the ultimate fate of all the millennial gun cannon kitty pilots or whatever. But, I mean, essentially the Xeon pretty much mow down all these NFG kid pilots, basically. You know, like, they're all getting massacred. And, of course, they don't. They don't really have a lot of cohesion, you know, they're all kind of confused and everything. The minute the first guy gets nailed, everybody, like, loses their shit. They don't really maintain formation. They're kind of going off half-cocked and everything like that. 
And then there is that one guy, the the eye patch guy that kind of looks like Nick Fury. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure what his name is or anything, but what stood out to me was he's, you know, fighting in the middle of the battle. And then, and then he says, like, I guess I won't have any more of Granny's apple tart. I haven't had that apple tart in a while. And, you know, of course, me, I'm dirty as hell. And I'm like, is that a euphemism for something? <laughs> like, is that, is that what he's talking about? Like, or is he really talking about apple tart pie? Because I've never eaten apple tart before, but whatever. So that's what was on my mind anyway. You know, and, and, and in the meantime, you've got Sexton, who I think is basically like the Paul Reiser of this whole series. You know, like he's kind of like a douchebag. And he's basically like, you know, he's trying to convince Carla to, to flee with him because he, cause he knows, like, you know, obviously the Federation are coming down on all these, you know, Xeon ships and then trying to take back the territory and everything. And then, you know, she basically, you know, flat out refuses and he's like, you're a Baca head or whatever he says. And, you know, he, you know, it, it's interesting, like in the in the manga, it's interesting the way they frame that because it's like a camera is basically like he's filming himself the whole time or something and and it's this weird deterioration where like there's the camera of him when he first comes to the base and he's like we're doing research like this is going to be awesome i'm going to come home and i'm going to be hailed a hero it's like and then there's like a cut where it's like you know i'm gonna you know get married at 30 and i'm gonna have a little island on you know the earth and this is going to be great and then, like, you know, a cut later where it's like, this is crazy. Everybody's attacking us. I got to get the hell out of here. And that doctor's a stupid cunt, and she won't give me the time of day. And, you know, and he's all angry and everything and stuff like that. And, like, he basically, like, I mean, I'm just going to jump ahead to finish off my thought on him. But, I mean, it, it's really, in the manga, it's almost like, you know, he's basically like, get the hell out of my way. This escape pod's mine. And he launches but, like, in the anime, it's even worse because it's, like, almost like he pretends to be a doctor for a minute. It's like, let me look at that guy. And then he, like, totally, like, jips the guy out of his, you know, escape pod and launches in it himself. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, that's kind of, I mean, if, if, if he's one of those guys, I mean, they obviously must have broken their Hippocratic Oath a long time ago if they're experimenting on all these Living Dead Division pilots. But it, that's one of those things where you're like, that's just beyond the pale, dude. Like, you're scum. Like you're you're a scumbag. Maybe maybe he was one of the escape pods that EO shot down when the full <laughs> we, armor. We can, we, can o- we can only hope, yeah. right? Were you guys like uh, I don't know? Well, I guess we'll keep going. I, I guess we haven't reached that point yet in the summary, but keep going. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I guess I was just gonna go back to Carla basically because the the main reason why she stays around is because you know she wants revenge. Revenge. You know, and and she mans a gun turret. And, you know, basically when she sees the Gundam, you know, zoom past her, she basically unleashes all her ammo and fury on him and everything like that. And, and what's kind of interesting is, again, you know, maybe that is a fleeting moment of, I, I don't want to say happiness, but like a fleeting moment of fulfillment for her. You know, it's like, oh, now I'm shooting at this person who killed my dead lover and now I feel better about myself. But in some ways, she sort of gave away their position, too, because then, you know, the immediate response is a big beam cannon blast comes right for them. And the lady she was just talking to 
in the cockpit, the turret next to her is completely incinerated. So, like, part of me kind of, I mean, obviously, like, you know, things like that are going to happen one way or the other, but part of me is kind of like, oh, you inexperienced, stupid twat. Like, you got your buddy, like, blown away, you know, because you were hell-bent on, you know, trying to nail some ace pilot that you had no hope in hell of even, you know, putting a scratch on, basically. So I was, I don't know, if I'm being too judgmental about that, but, I mean, I get I get that it's that emotional scene, and it's good that they put it in there, you know, in terms of, you know, drama and everything, but that's something that I tend to sort of get judgmental about, I suppose. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I mean it's not like she, she could even do any damage to him from that distance either. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like, it just seemed like machine guns and like, you know, he just fires one beam shot back and like kill, like scores a kill. So. Right. Right. It, yeah. I mean that, that was kind of my thought in my mind. It's kind of like, you know, Vader kills Obi-Wan and like Luke's immediate re- reaction is to start shooting at Vader. You know, even though like he has no like possible hope of like taking out Vader with a laser bolt or anything like it's it's it, in my head it's, it's the same situation like you know she's just overcome with emotion and like she you know she's had to deal with all these things of like taking limbs from these people and you know you know obviously getting attached to Daryl and some of the others like she you know she just kind of like she needed the release basically and I, I think it was good for her not to go all Star Wars nerd, but I mean, I think the main difference in that sequence is that Luke actually nails a couple of the stormtroopers and closes the blast door when he gets the little mm-hmm. mental communication from Obi-Wan, basically. And it's like he's actually, he's 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 enveloped in his emotion. He's angry and, and sad that Vader killed, basically, his mentor. But at the same time, he's actually... He's he's converting that instance into something at least practical, you know, that that is helping them, you know, quote unquote, escape. Right. So, I mean, that, that that's kind of, you know, whereas I don't know, the Carla. I mean, that didn't that didn't help anybody, basically. It just kind of was like, I'm going to feel good and I'm going to like, you know, and it's like, OK, well, you know, you, you might have been able to take out some of these little shit gun cannon kids in the balls and actually helped save some people on your side but you know having a sort of vendetta against somebody who's way out of your league like that that and is like that wasn't gonna you know i mean that's like full-on like if luke just like threw away his blaster you know ran through the blast doors and jumped through them and then tried to fight vader himself you know and then and then meanwhile like leia and han don't want to leave because of it and then the stormtroopers take them all and murder them all. And then that's the end of the fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I felt like when her f- friend got the cockpit blasted away. I'm like, what a waste. Like, you know, I was like, oh, the Millennium Falcon should have gotten away. Like, what a waste. Now they're all dead, you know? And like I, I was saying earlier, and then like EO swoops in with the full armor and like just starts shooting down like escape pods and stuff. So mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. all those people are probably on Carla's head too. Cause yeah, he, yeah. he could, I don't think he knew where those ships were until she started shooting at him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, EO, like, and, and, and Daryl, too, I mean, I don't know if this is something you wanted to talk about as well, Mike, but, I mean, basically, they're both pulling their own, you know, Red Comet or Johnny Ryden or whatever you want to say, because they're, they're taking out multiple ships left and right with their mobile suits and everything and just blowing entire crews away and stuff. So, I mean, there's all that kind of stuff going on while, you know, Sexton is being a 
jerk face and stealing like wounded people's escape pods and all that kind of stuff. And you know, Claudia. I guess we should bring this up, but at this point, you know, Claudia's flagship is all messed up, and she's actually trying to save that guy Graham, who basically can't stand her because she's to him a Federation elite, and he again can't stand her, and he ends up pulling out a pistol and like shooting her in the gut and then you know now captain claudia's dead and gets sucked out into space and i mean even cornelius has like this weird i you know i don't know if it's a new type flash or whatever but he kind of when when he's on one of these refugee ships that are getting blasted away with all these wounded and you know all this kind of these blood clots that are floating through the vacuum of space because there's you know minimal gravity and everything he's kind of looking around realizing where's Claudia? Like, she must be dead, you know? And I guess basically, I mean, that, that kind of brings us to the end of the episode where, you know, EO's sitting out there knowing there's still a final battle to come, and it's basically EO and Daryl fighting for all the marbles. And, and then at the end, I need to bring this up because it's the worst fucking English song song you've ever heard in your fucking life. Did you guys listen to that song? A little bit, One, yeah. No. Yeah. No. You got you gotta go back and look. it's so <laughs> bad. It's so it's like basically it's like when I love you, fiery, I ram your baby. You know, and it's like what, what? I don't know. I was I, I it's it's crazy. It's a crazy song. So, but I mean, do you guys have like specific thoughts? Were there things that you wanted to bring up and cover in terms of the episode and? I mean, I, I'll just say, you know, I enjoyed it. I continue to enjoy this this show. You know, the animation is, is pretty fun. It, it does still continue to remind me of that anime red line, you know, the kind of thick lines and everything that are being dropped for all the different character designs. And, you know, the, the action is good. I mean, again, like Mike says, there is that gnawing kind of monkey on your back where you're thinking this doesn't quite fit in with the previously established universal century continuity but I mean kind of if I sort of put that off to the side and try to take this as its own thing I mean for the most part I've enjoyed it yeah I I think what I liked best about this episode is we got to see some flashbacks and you know we got we got to see more of some of these characters past like I mean I like EO, but he doesn't come off as the most likable person. You know, like I said, he he's a realist, and that means you know he's like, you know, he's gonna be like slapping people, and you know, he's like telling them to start truth, or like, hey, you're gonna die, like that, you know, can't do anything about it. I really like that flashback, and you know, seeing those pictures of like them in a the happier time, like that. I really like that sequence. Yeah, it kind of humanizes them a like a little bit more, because I mean. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, like, EO is yeah, not only a realist, but, like, I don't know, like, I, I feel like, you know, the shooting down of the, the escape pods and stuff, that's a little, like, you know, that's, I mean, there's realism, and then there's just, like, okay, well, yeah, some of those people might come back to, you know, like, fight you or whatever, but some of them just might be, you know, civilians and stuff, so that's, it, it, that kind of goes, like, the skirts the fine line between, like, realism and then just being, like, bloodthirsty. I think it's bloodthirsty to subject people to that English song at the end of the, the show. <laughs> now, like, I, I agree with, with you. With you said, like, I mean, this show is perfectly enjoyable. It's like the animation is stunning. You know, like the acting's good. The music's good. 
But yeah, like the part of me is kind of like having trouble reconciling it with the larger like UC timeline and stuff. Like I think we said it in the previous reviews where the mobile suits seem a little overpowered for this time yeah. period. Yeah. And also it kind of like I said, um, I was like looking at those gun cannons and I was kind of like, man, like if they had all those gun cannons like at Abawaku and stuff like, man, that would have been like a cakewalk or something. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, like, I, I'm sort of rationalizing some of it as, you know, Sexton supposedly had all the living dead division data that he was taking with him. So if one of his escape pods did indeed get shot down, like maybe, you know, there's no way to really replicate you know what what daryl's suit can do or something like that that could be and uh, i don't know i guess you could say like you know what with like graham's disgust at like you know claudia and whatever maybe like the more brotherhood is like so rich and like influential that they can just pull resources and, and and you know obviously i think we mentioned it before but like the federation is like so increasingly corrupt that maybe you yeah, know yeah. the more brotherhood has so much influence they can pull resources from wherever they want well again these are the, these are the same guys in in retrospect that go on to be the federation guys in f91 so i mean they're they're obviously not not really the most well beloved federation officers and and you know areas you know in terms of, of that kind of you know in, in terms of the uc storyline basically i mean they they go on to become guys that use kids as human shields so it, is it much of a stretch that they're using kids as gun cannon human shields because they go on to use kids as human shields in f91 you know like i i guess there's parallels to be drawn there nobody's saying like oh yeah that's great like and patting people on the back for it but i mean that, that's it's kind of like showing like look this is where those guys came from you know like they, they were always doing stuff that you know maybe not even just skirted a moral gray line but but like you're suggesting you know maybe it it definitely crosses it in a lot of cases. Maybe one of the officers in F91 was one of the survivors of the gun cannon corps, and he's just like, you know, this is how we did it when I was a kid. You know, we send all the kids in first. There, well, that that would be a case of, I guess, the abuser continuing the pattern of abuse in that case. But th there was a sequence in the manga where actually there was like one kid who's camera got taken out and he thought he was totally dead and then when he actually like opened up his cockpit he realized like everything else was massacred but he was okay and then he goes after like one of the snipers and i thought that was kind of cool like that they showed at least you know like one basically the kid was kind of like oh i'm scared to shit like i'm pissing my pants but i'm not gonna let anybody think i was like a coward or anything and he basically like stops one of the Xeon snipers. And I was like, well, that's kind of, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of all this kind of misery and stuff, you're like, Hey, that's, that's a modest, moderate success, which I, I don't think was really covered in the, the anime. So sweet. That's all I have to say. All right. Any, any final thoughts, Justin? This is probably just me like being like Daryl, but like, I hope Claudia is not really for reals dead. Like I hope she's like, still out there floating in space and somehow has survived but she's 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 got the hero's sense of of yeah. recoverability yeah we, we let's hope claudia's like hero yui she can survive shooting up and getting a gunshot to the chest and getting sucked she, she's, we she's wearing biker shorts under that space shoot. <laughs>
hottest face. <laughs> yeah, I bet she looks a lot better in those biker shirts than here on you. So <laughs> I'll give you that. So, well, here's hoping. In 1977, the world changed. The film industry was transformed. The popular culture rocked. And young minds forever altered. Star Wars arrived. And nothing would ever be the same again. Though everyone wasn't affected in the same way, everyone was affected. This is my Star Wars story. My Star Wars Story, monthly at MyStarWarsStory.com. So, okay, guys. Well, I guess this has been our coverage of Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt Episode 3 here on Fanhole's Mobile Suit Mondays. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our pontifications of the ramifications of the Universal Century War here on Fanhole's Podcast. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are, of course, on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We have weekly content there, and in addition to Mobile Suit Mondays, we have our other spinoff shows like Sentai Saturdays, Toku Thursdays, and Transformers Tuesdays, and of course, the Fanholes Proper Podcast. So if you enjoyed listening to this, we hope you enjoy or will endeavor to check out some of our other programming. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. It's Mike Thunderwing. And this is Justin. Finally, I am your to that it's fucking awful i'm gonna play it right now i'm gonna find it no it's probably not even on youtube i wonder if i have the yeah yeah i I was gonna say i don't know if the score is out yet but yeah no let me i'm I'm pulling up the video right now and we're listening to this live because i i need you to this is gonna be the outtake or something (laughs) you're like you're like plinket or something you're like i need you to listen to this you've got to listen to this it's so bad you can hear it now? Yeah. I was sure I was your darling last night. My heart was beating flirty. 
You look so nervous at the party. Free for me to barge in. Free for me to barge in. Turn the rhythm on and can you rock? Sweetheart when? Question mark. Only good fellow. Finally, I am your baby. See, this is horrible. <laughs>